Hello and welcome to The Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Peter Spasia, and today is January 7th, 2017. This is the second episode of the podcast. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at bit.ly slash thepowerswitch. That's with TPS in uppercase. We are brought to you by RhymesWithAsia.com. In the coming weeks, we'll be working on broadcasting our live recordings on Twitch, plus making the show available on podcast services like iTunes and Google Play. Now, if you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. I first opened the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. And then after a small commercial break, we set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or bring up any gaming question of their own choosing. Once it's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment and we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. Now, if that sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. We are less than a week away from the big Nintendo Switch event that's been teased for about a month now or so. It's an event going on in Japan and Nintendo's having an English voiceover simulcast as well. It's going to be subtitled in other languages later. But let's get the dates set on what this event is and kind of set the expectations a little bit. This event is going to happen on Thursday, January 12th at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, which you can adjust for uh, your different time zones. I know that's really early or you know, in the morning or late at night for Europe, but it, it's a pretty reasonable time for Pacific time. But 11 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, January 12th. Then the following morning on Friday, January 13th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, you have a Nintendo Treehouse sort of stream. It's They're going to be showing the games that they talk about during this conference stream event in more detail. So it's almost like an E3 for Nintendo, but in January. And that's that's really interesting timing, but I'm okay with this. Plus, on Friday, January 13th, you also have journalists from around the world going to their localized areas to try the Nintendo Switch hands-on for the first time. So you'll be getting a lot of different hands-on impressions from that as well. So over on RhymesWithAsia.com, where I have written for the last year or so, I came up with an article of 15 things that I wanted to be shown during the Nintendo Switch reveal. But this was before the original trailer. And, you know, that three-minute trailer caught the internet by storm. It was you know, really popular, and it showed a great concept of what the Nintendo Switch is. And so it only covered so much of that article. So I wanted to quickly run through, of those 15 things that I mentioned, what do we know so far? What do we still have left to learn? Obviously, what we know so far is the concept of the Nintendo Switch, uh, that it's primarily, it's a handheld that you can take and use on the go. The processing power is in the handheld device, but then it can be brought home, docked in a console that's connected to your TV, and, you know, played with a little bit more power, uh, a little higher clock speed to, you know, get the fans whirring inside that handheld device to play games at slightly better performance. So it's the idea of a hybrid handheld console in one. We know the system's name, that's Nintendo Switch. I'm going to miss the days of NX, and you know people can certainly you know, fondly call it NX if they'd like to, but you know Nintendo Switch is the way to go, and it's, it's a fine name. It, it's fine. I don't think it has any you know, big detractions like Nintendo Wii did or Wii U. It'll, it'll catch on. It'll be just fine. 
We saw the controller design. It looks comfortable. You have Joy-Cons. I don't know how many people are going to be separating the Joy-Cons and having the kickstand go up when you're sitting on a plane or anything like that, but it's it's good to know that it has the flexibility, and that's, that's important. Plus, if you've seen the Pro Controller, an important distinction, they switched the right analog stick and the face buttons back to what we're familiar with, with you know the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One controller. Not the Wii U Pro controller, so we'll try to unlearn that sort of connection there. Finally, also, we know that it's going to use cartridges, which is probably a good thing. I mean, very fast loading times, hopefully some you know good memory on those, uh, those cartridges, good storage, so we have a lot of game content that can be packed in such a small space. So that'll work well. I mean, you don't want discs spinning at all. I mean, you could do an entirely digital, but we're not there as a medium yet, I think. Of course, there's still a lot left to learn. I'm sure they're going to pitch on the idea of the game consolidation that, you know, we don't have to develop just a console game or just a handheld game. We're focusing all of our game development efforts on this one system. I think that's a really important message to kind of get across in this uh, event, which is supposed to be apparently an hour long. So, you know, time is going to be at a premium. They got to, you know, really move along. There's a lot to cover and they can't dawdle too much on, on certain topics. But of course, we have to learn about the software library as well. We got to know what games we're going to be playing in this, whether it's at launch, in the launch window, or maybe even partnerships beyond. Um, I don't necessarily expect them to mention this, but it would be important to know or at least see that this is going to be a departure from the power struggle that Microsoft and Sony are kind of going at it with. They're escalating more powerful boxes with Xbox One S, soon to be Scorpio, PlayStation 4 Pro. If a PS5 is somewhere a few years down the line, Nintendo's kind of removing themselves from that to try to create a really nice, powerful handheld system that also operates on a console front. So I think people have to really temper their expectations, and you know, especially those outside the game industry. It's not going to be surprising for us who are you know, knowledgeable about games that Nintendo Switch is not going to be as powerful as an Xbox One and PlayStation 4. But it doesn't have to be. You, you can't really take your Xbox One and PlayStation 4 with you on the go. I mean, that, that's the whole idea behind this system. So we have to know the graphical power, obviously. We have to know the specs, and I'm sure they're going to make that available. Journalists will certainly press for that information. That will be important to finally nail down. It's going to be a, a custom NVIDIA chipset, at least on the graphics front. But to kind of ballpark that range, it's going to be good to know. Again, people have to really, really temper the expectations and not expect too much of a powerhouse, but at the same time, it's going to be able to play a lot of games, and at least it's going to be scalable on a PC-like design, it seems, and that's going to really help, at least when you're talking about ports from other systems and whatnot. Also, the operating system, the infrastructure, that's really important. We have to see what DNA is doing, especially online. Let's see what it's like when you boot up the Switch. Not just, you know, oh, you know, back and forth between, you know, docking, undocking. But let's see what the operating system is like, the Nintendo OS, as it were. Also, third-party partnerships. That's really big. I mean, they're going to be strong out of the gate, of course. But it's going to be interesting to see how the messaging goes when they're talking long-term. And we've seen the whole pitch with... EA and them being on stage at E3 talking about Wii U and we're going to be so supportive as ever and look how long that lasted. So you know, we'll see what kind of games they're offering there, but it's more talking about the long-term strategy that we'll see how the messaging comes across that way. Got to make sure that there's extra console power when you dock it. I mean, the, the rumors are that you know, it's higher fan clock speeds. 
so that you'll be able to you know output in 1080p at least to the TV. That's that's important because it seems to be 720 when you're just you know isolated with the handheld. You need storage flexibility certainly. You got to have the SD cards go all the way up to what's what's the cap? Some are saying maybe it's a cap of 128 gigabytes on the micro SD. I mean, hopefully it's it's bigger. Digital games are going to add up quickly, especially as we're talking, you know, games that could also be on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I mean, not certainly the higher end games, but you know, kind of in the low to middle range of power. Uh, also, the battery life—that's going to be the big one. I mean, a lot of detractors uh, for Nintendo saying that, "Oh, we've seen this all before. It looks great, but when when's the shoe going to drop? When is the bad news coming?" Well, what about that battery life? You know, we have seen USB-C is going to be a feature on the system. That's going to be a way to charge it pretty quickly, honestly. And if it's a console, you don't have to worry about battery life. But it is going to be interesting to see what happens when it's you know on its own separately. Um, I think if it's three hours, I would actually be kind of okay with that. I'm not playing away from power on a handheld for more than three hours, So, but maybe that's just a personal thing. But a lot of people are going to take three hours and they're going to spin it as a detraction for the system. You know what's going to happen. I think five hours at you know its, its minimum, similar to what you know 3DS was, like that's fine. If they can keep what the battery life was like with the 3DS, I think that's fair. That's a good escalation of the technology in a way over the last several years. Um, certainly if they say, oh, well, you think we're certain settings that can be increased, that, that's fine. I think five will go over well with the public, but if it's three, watch out. There's, there's some rumors saying that it may be closer to that. Uh, we can't really see a gimmick in game design. I think that's really important. We can't see games that rely on the Joy-Cons being detached, that rely on motion control in the Joy-Con. The gimmick needs to be that you can play it portably and reasonably, and I think that's what we need to see. We can't see any motion control nonsense. I think that's really important. But ultimately, the price point is the key. It's That's the big one. We gotta see what that price point is gonna be. If there are any other SKUs, if it's just gonna be one system, if there's gonna be a packing game, what's the packing game going to be? So. I think if it's at $249.99, you got a winner. That's going to sell like hotcakes for both a console and a handheld in one. That's a great price point. I think they could get it away with $300, possibly, just so that they have room to bring the price down if they need to while still making a profit. Video game industry is a business after all, but also $300 does signal you know, it's a premium new product. So I think you're, you're right in between those. I mean, there are pros and cons to each of those price points. You go above $300, Danger, danger. Like, watch out, because that's that's asking for trouble. And I think Nintendo knows better. They talked about Wii U at $349.99, that that was higher than what they wanted that system to be. So that'll be really interesting to see. We got to keep an eye out for overall at the conference. Yes, the games. So Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, that's going to be a big one. More importantly, what is its release timing going to be? Rumors indicating that they're really targeting a launch window or at least launch day for North America that the marketing is saying March 2017. Uh, that's really important. What's going to happen in Europe? Do they have to translate more languages? That'll be something to keep an eye on. But for North America, do they stick to that launch day, March sort of window for Breath of the Wild? We're going to see in the new Super Mario game, obviously, if it's going to be called Super Mario Switch, uh, some you know rumors. <laughs> I saw a rumor that Many of those generating the the topics of discussion in the rumor mill, uh, you know, one that's kind of been knocked down, but this person said it's called Super Mario Switcheroo. 
That would be a ridiculous name. <laughs> Just keep it at Super Mario Switch. Rabbids Kingdom Battle is the supposed name for this Mario RPG partnership with Ubisoft infusing the Rabbids into a Mario RPG game. Now, this is going to be the big indication when some people still have things to say against these people who have been really quite accurate as far as their Nintendo Switch information goes with their different sources, really providing journalism that kind of goes outside what the Nintendo PR would want the information to roll out uh, to have that be. The Rabbids... Mario RPG is going to be really the key. And you know if you nail that, that's not just something you pull out of nowhere. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a real big indicator. Obviously, I'm sure we'll see a lot of Wii U ports. Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Splatoon. Do we see the Mario Maker uh, Switch game that's you know supposedly in development but may have hit some struggles in development? Uh, talk of a Rayman Legends Wii U port. Also, a Xenoblade Chronicles X port from Wii U to... Uh, Nintendo Switch, but that would be more later. Not a not certainly not a launch window. Uh, how will they space those out? That's going to be really interesting to see. Talk of Beyond Good and Evil Two, codenamed Odyssey. Will they have a teaser trailer ready? Is it the 12 months of exclusivity on Nintendo Switch before it goes to PC and Xbox One and PlayStation Four? Something to watch there. Also, Pokemon Stars the rumored you know, third game in the Generation 7 that goes to Nintendo Switch that adds new Pokemon, perhaps even adding Pokemon following you. That would be really exciting to see. That'd be a big system seller, but they're talking about that would be at the end of 2017 at best. And also Pikmin 4 has been confirmed for a long time, the thought being that it's moved to Switch and it might be a Pikmin reboot. So something to keep an eye on there. Virtual Console, GameCube, that's been a big, big rumor. And to have GameCube essentially on the go with GameCube games like Super Smash Bros. Melee, like Super Mario Sunshine, like Luigi's Mansion, obviously you have to have you know, certain elements at play to make that really work well. And I know the Super Smash Bros. community is going to have a big eye on that to see what the adaptation of Melee is going to really be like. How faithful to the original is it? Can they use that as a tournament standard? I think that would be something really interesting to watch. But not only that, on Virtual Console, the talk is that the terribly kept secret of Mother 3 may show its face here at the Switch conference. I mean, some you know people who have generated rumors in the past have pointed to this Mother 3 thing having sources, but you know sometimes sources change. Plans change. It may have been a plan to have Mother 3 launch on Wii U, but are you going to launch it on a dying platform? Or are you going to hold off those plans to Nintendo Switch? So something to keep an eye there. Uh, there's you know reports going around that, oh, the 1UP Studios, the developer behind Mother 3, going to the conference, that means it's, it's going to happen there? Not necessarily. You have to kind of temper the expectations a little bit, but it is interesting evidence to say that it may happen there. We'll have to see some system details for sure. What is the share button like supposedly on the system? Is it using Miiverse? How does that work? How is it different than what PlayStation 4's share button is like? Are there analog triggers on the Switch and its different Joy-Cons? That's really important for GameCube games like Super Smash Bros. Melee. You need that if that's going to continue for that competitive scene or just you know general play overall. And is it really region-free? That's going to be really interesting because... People in Europe, if Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is going to June, they may be impatient. And if it is region-free, yeah, take 
the American launch from March, import it, region-free, play it near launch. So that would be really interesting. And once we get the journalists talking about it, they'll get a lot of user reports. What is its performance like? What are the ergonomics like? How does it feel to hold it in your hands? What is the dock and release functionality? How seamless is it really? So I know that's a lot to cover, but I have three predictions. And you know what? I'll carry it over from my previous podcast. I'll call them big boss predictions. You know, the idea of just, you know, these bold predictions, not just saying like, oh, oh yeah, we are going to see the Xenoblade Chronicles X port at the conference. And that's that's not really too bold. I mean, you're, you're taking a little bit of leap of faith, but these are, are bold predictions. And, you know, if you want to go one step beyond, we'll, we'll bring this back from my other podcast as well. We'll say Kiefer prediction. Now, that's that stems from Metal Gear Solid 5, where it was ridiculous at the time to have Kiefer Sutherland voice Big Boss. So this is just a totally outlandish prediction that, hey, if it comes true, by all means, go for it. But you can certainly have these predictions when you call in very shortly. Uh, but I'll, I'll provide three Big Boss predictions just for you here. Number one here, Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo Switch will have three new characters. Ice Climbers, Inkling from Splatoon, and Rayman. Number two, Nintendo will launch a branded eSports initiative, much like Capcom's Pro Tour, in an effort to centralize tournament sponsorships and even host their own pro tournaments. And number three, it's a variation from my overall predictions for 2017, but we'll crank it up a notch for the big boss prediction. Overwatch for Nintendo Switch will be announced at this event for launch this year. All right, I know that's a lot to talk about from my end, but we're going to pass it over to the calls here when we come back from the break. And uh, yeah, let's talk about Nintendo Switch. What are your thoughts on what we've seen so far? What do you want to see from this event? What are your predictions from what we'll see from this Nintendo Switch event? You can certainly talk about other gaming topics for sure, but Nintendo Switch, we got to get our thoughts on digital ink, almost as it were. We got to get our thoughts down before this event actually occurs. And that's what we'll do here, right here on the Power Switch when we come back. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Time to get into your calls about Nintendo Switch and where are our thoughts at before the big event at the end of this week. Joining us from Chicago, please welcome DJ Miniboss. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Peter. Welcome. No problem. Thank or, you. Thank you welcome. for. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, welcome to the Power Switch. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's a lazy Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, good to kind of sit here and think about. What is the big gaming news for the coming week going to be? And so what do you want to talk about here? Yeah, I'd like to talk about kind of the uh, dichotomy between the different IPs that you've seen on Nintendo portables and Nintendo consoles. And maybe I've just not been paying enough attention to the Switch. But um, uh, to me, it's interesting. You, you see on portable games like Phoenix Wright, you see uh, a lot of Fire Emblem mostly on portables. And there's just certain IPs that lend themselves better to just portable experiences, especially mm -hmm. with kind of like lower graphics. And then you have the console games, which also I can't think of IPs off the top of my head, but you, you, you kind of have certain IPs that lend themselves better to certain kinds of 
experiences, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, or at least they have, you know, had success in the past. I mean, you know, certainly something like an F-Zero, not saying that you're like, oh, yeah, F-Zero for exactly. Switch, but like that's that's been primarily a console game. You need the powerful graphics, but yeah, absolutely. So my question is, for every reason, Phoenix Wright really sticks in my head. Like Phoenix Wright, that game, you know, they, they can't really spend Capcom too much uh, money developing this sort of game. And I'm wondering, like, the graphics that you need to be on the Switch, like, how is that going to work? Can you still put in the same sort of sprite graphics or maybe like low rendering 3D graphics that would work on the 3DS and put that on the Switch and be like, this is a game? Or will you have to come up to the standard that the uh, the Nintendo Switch is, you know, going to be? At the high end, that that's really what I'm wondering, and how different IPs will adapt to this really strange new sort of console. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be very interesting. I mean, of course, with the 3DS, not that many have relied on the 3D rendering, but certainly the 3D aspect to the 3DS did hinder the graphic power for many of the games on 3DS because if you're rendering two images at the same time, like that takes up a lot of processing power. So yeah, you definitely have that to kind of strip away from 3DS moving forward. Mm. Not to mention, yeah, the, the higher processing power on a device like Switch, you're going to have higher resolution. I think it would be pretty okay to see the sort of style that we've seen with 3DS games just maybe polished up a little bit more, uh, higher resolution. Make sure that the frame rate is nailed down solidly because in games like Pokemon X and Y, or even in some uh, instances with Sun and Moon, like when the frame rate chugs, like that's inexcusable. You cannot have that happen on a, a you know behemoth of a power, comparatively speaking, for a Nintendo console like Nintendo Switch. You just can't have that happen. Apparently, Monolith Soft is working on a, a new game for Nintendo Switch that's not necessarily Xenoblade related, but you know they really had just a gorgeous game on Wii U. So you can certainly see that end maybe of the graphic mm -hmm. spectrum. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be where is that range fall? And you know, I, I'm sure Nintendo fans and even you know just gamers overall, where it's going to see a lot of Japanese studios, uh, you know, certainly willing to work with Nintendo. Uh, I'm sure the Switch is going to be a huge hit in Japan because of its portability and you know how everyone sits on you know the train going to work there that's going to be a, a big hit I think but you're going to have a yeah definitely a wide range in the graphics that it's going to be able to churn out yeah and the other thing that really sticks in my head too is you've seen a lot of uh, if you see a IP that's jumped from a console to a portable, for example, Paper Mario, mm -hmm. they've really been like, oh, we want a specific kind of experience. We want it to be kind of level-based. We want it to be kind of short, uh, bite-sized pieces. And so there's a certain philosophy that comes along with designing a game that's meant to be on the go. Mm -hmm. And again, that we have this weird hybrid now, something that could ostensibly both be, you know, a sit down, play for a long time sort of experience, or you can put it on the go for three to five hours, however long the battery life will be. And so I'm wondering how they'll take that philosophy as well. I, it's it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. That's a really good point because, yeah, you had something like uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, who, you know, from the move from Luigi's Mansion on console, still may get to play it again with the GameCube Virtual Console. But yeah, Dark Moon was definitely more bite sized and. Yeah, it's it's a very different mindset, and that is a big challenge that Nintendo is going to have to uh, to manage. You know how how do you play games when you're mobile versus how do you play games when you're on couch? That's that's a good point. I hadn't really considered that, but I'm sure Nintendo has thought of it. The game studios have thought of that. Um, to to find that balance, that's going to be a, a very interesting thing. But also at the same time, it's a very unique proposition. Like that's not something that you know that Microsoft, that Sony, that's not something they're not going to really going to be able to offer. 
Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, I guess we kind of, either one of the other topics might be over this, or maybe I just was reminded by something you said, but the 3DS and the Wii U and the Wii itself all had this, you know, sort of gimmick to them, right? Mm -hmm, And they all tried to differentiate from the market by just kind of trying to do something completely different. And it's interesting that Nintendo chose that the, the thing that they're going to do differently that's going to be able for them to kind of play to a different market is not doing anything really different anymore. It's just like, oh, well, we have the technology now to kind of combine both our console and our handhelds together into one super console. And I don't think that really is going to uh, alienate any customers or any uh, publishers. And so, again, it's going to kind of just be... I'm really excited to see how Nintendo's philosophy will change, and I, I hope that this will end up becoming a stronger sort of console for them financially as well. I agree. I think there's definitely the, the big appeal is not just how we play as far as, you know, any gimmicks. Yeah, I think if, if they focus on where you play being the key at this console, that's going to be very appealing, uh, not only just for... Yeah, different IP that can be present on on one device, regardless of where you play, uh, but just the overall appeal of the system and what makes it unique. Like that's they got to really focus on that being the big sell. Yeah, so uh, that's all I had kind of on the top of my head with regards to this topic. But uh, yeah, that's great. That that's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought it up. So DJ Mini Boss, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, the primary way you can find me is uh, there's a it's pausemenumonologues.tumblr.com it's a uh, it's a kind of another sort of fledgling podcast won't get into it too much but the idea is that you send in your own recordings of you talking about whatever topic you want If and every season we have a specific sort of topic for example this season in winter is multiplayer and we hope to put together a podcast of your talks so yeah you can read more about it at pausemenumonologues.tumblr.com that's it great well thank you so much really appreciate your contribution Thank you for having me on. Great, no problem. Thanks. Matt from New Jersey. Welcome to the Power Switch. Hey, hey. Hey, good to hear your voice again. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, I'm in between internet names. I'm trying to leave Darker Eye behind, but <laughs> no, no one else seems to want to have it. So but, I'll just be Matt today. But that's where people will know you from if they've listened to Show Me Your News and you know past podcasts that I've done. So it's good to have you on this show. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? So um, obviously the... The, the huge thing that came out that threw the internet into a big panic regarding this Nintendo Switch a couple weeks ago was the clock speeds being rumored. Um, evidently, the Nintendo Switch is looking to be underpowered, which it's very hard to disagree with at this point. Uh, the power, especially when it's a portable, is comparable to the Wii U itself. Sometimes it's even uh, worse than the Wii U. But what it comes down to is that the raw power really doesn't matter as much for a console as people say it does. People like to believe that the most important thing for a console getting games is that it can run the latest and greatest games at the highest settings. And you know what? If you can put that on the back of the box, then you know maybe you'll get a couple extra sales there. But ultimately, that is not what drives sales. What drives sales is totally, totally unrelated to raw graphical power. And the games will come to the Switch if the Switch is a system worth coming to. Wii U did not miss out on any games being made because it was an underpowered system. It missed out because it was a poorly selling system that was frankly not very fun to play on, uh, which you know I'll, I'll get back to in a minute. Mm-hmm. But the the raw power of the Switch, when you think about the, the best-selling consoles of the past few years, uh, usually 
raw power is not the one that wins. If we go back two generations, back to the Wii, Xbox 360, and PS3, by and far, the Wii sold the most. And that was with the weakest hardware. And you can make the point that the Wii dropped off halfway through its life because, you know, maybe because it wasn't powerful, but I'd say it was because the Wii became very difficult to have fun on the simple fact that it was lacking features not the raw power but features that the other consoles had like a dedicated online store the ability to have a robust online system once those started to become prevalent in the xbox 360 and playstation 3 that's when the wii started to go downhill yeah, and updates not alone yeah i mean the, the ability that you have to send in your save file to get patches for games like that's that was ridiculous for the wii Absolutely. And then when you think about between just the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, which one sold the best? It wasn't the one that had the most power. It was the 360. The one that had the most power, the PlayStation 3, lagged behind in sales. And I can't remember which one's more powerful right now, PS4 or Xbox One. But I know mm. PS4 is in the lead, but I heard yeah. that like Xbox was more powerful. I can't really speak on that one. I, I think generally PS4 is... you know. Pound for pound, almost more powerful, uh, and it's it's showing in sales. I mean, but Xbox had that terrible start to their their console generation. That was a whole marketing mess. But overall, it it seems like games can get better performance on PS4. Yeah, but again, PS4 is having trouble with features now. Xbox is supposed to make a comeback, and a lot of PlayStation fans, myself included, are very disillusioned with the PS4 right now, because PlayStation Plus is getting to be a worse and worse deal. Sony's not addressing key features that people are screaming for, and ultimately Xbox is just shaping up to be a better experience now. Xbox so, isn't really also delaying their you know key first-party games. I mean, yeah, PlayStation can't keep sliding those back and back and back. Yeah, so uh, ultimately, raw power is not going to decide what's the winning game. And because the Wii and even the DS alongside it were very successful systems, they sold a lot of units, they kept getting games. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 came out on both of those systems. <laughs> it, was a heavily, it was a heavily modified game on DS, but it was still a full-length Call of Duty game, even if it's not the one that most people played. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 was exactly the same game between Wii and Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, just with drastically different graphics. Mm -hmm. But it was the exact same game. Right. What it comes down to is whether or not this system sells. And that is where the Wii U failed and where it will really matter for the Nintendo Switch. Because the Wii U was an awful experience at launch. In addition to the fact that it was very expensive and the marketing was atrocious. Was I so hope Nintendo's bad. entire marketing department was fired. Yeah. The the actual system itself to this day is still very difficult to just use. Um, the load times just going from menu screen to menu screen were awful. It took over a minute and a half to load up New Super Mario Brothers on day one. And to this day, the Wii U when I'm leaving the system settings menu to switch my Wi-Fi network, because when I bring it to my friend's house, it can't automatically switch to their Wi-Fi network. So if I'm bringing Smash Brothers over and we're playing Smash Brothers, I need to manually go in and connect to their Wi-Fi network. Even though it can save up to 10 Wi-Fi networks, it can only automatically connect to one. So that in itself is terrible, but then consistently, I'd say 80% of the time when I move from the settings menu to the main menu, it crashes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cannot believe that this is considered a finished system to this day. The simple act of using the Wii U is a chore. 
I have honestly very rarely played it in the past year. And that is what the Switch really needs to improve on. It needs to be an enjoyable experience. I don't have an Xbox One, but I can say that the PlayStation 4, you can turn it on and you can get between menus quickly. The store itself loads real, real slow, and I cannot understand why that's still happening mm-hmm. to this day. But getting to settings, getting to my profile, getting to application data, getting to the share menu, it's quick. It happens. Games load up quick. And I can go back to that home screen with settings, my profile, the share menu, without having to close the game. It happens very quickly. The actual experience of using the system is a good experience. And that's where Nintendo has failed with this, with the Wii U and arguably with the 3DS. The 3DS was lucky in that it was a better experience than the Vita. But I would argue that it is still not a great experience. Hmm. And Nintendo Switch is going to encompass both their console hardware and their handheld hardware. So they need to have a stellar experience for it to really be a success. It does not need to have the best graphics. It needs to be fun to use yeah and it goes beyond just saying oh well you can take it out and it's you know seamless between the dock and removing it like yeah it needs to go beyond that and if you know i think the marketing is certainly better i think you know the one sign of shifting to the red branding and say there's no play like it i think that shows a big shift in what the marketing has has done uh you know how that trailer caught on that like that's a big sign especially when you compare it to you know the reveal of the Wii U and and that E3 were like oh it's time to watch baseball son like that's that's a big departure from what that was and i've seen different people say that as far as marketing goes if you appeal to the college kids you know that kind of age range it's going to automatically be cool to kids it's going to also appeal to adults and i think that's that's a good kind of starting point at least for that but yeah it has to be fun to use more than just saying oh it looks fun in the uh looks fun in the trailer i don't know how fun it's going to be when you're on an airplane and you're separating the joy cons per se but you know that's another thing entirely like i think that's a very good point it's going to really be a matter of these journalists and so it's not going to be at the you know the presentation from nintendo it's going to be the hands-on from the journalist after like how does it feel to use what is it like when you pause the game what is it like to go into you know the the nintendo os and what is that operating system like that's a very good point because yeah the whole the whole thing with graphics i mean graphics don't make the biggest difference it's it's really the gameplay and yet certain Titles that are really targeting the upper echelon of, you know, the console. So, yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, it's not going to come to Nintendo Switch. Red Dead Redemption, probably not coming to Nintendo Switch. Some gamers would say, well, that's the difference between it succeeding and failing. Yeah, I I disagree. You have a lot of these lower to mid-level games that are not graphically intensive, but you need that on Switch. And the appeal, the reason it would sell would be, I can take this on the go. I think it's also worth noticing right now that you know mass effect andromeda is not coming to it maybe red dead's not coming to it right now i'd say that a lot of third-party developers don't have a reason to trust nintendo because coming off of the wii u it doesn't come down to graphics it comes down to whether or not it will sell and i don't think that from bioware and ea's perspective it's a good idea to hedge their bets in favor of nintendo Mm -hmm. and i think that Two years down the line, if the Switch is a, uh, a very big success, we'll be seeing a much different tone from which games will be coming over. I think that if the Switch manages to be successful, games are going to come over whether or not they need to do a downgrade in their graphics. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the big sell would be if you don't 
have the huge third-party support because you're going to have third parties that may be a little wary. This is where the combination of efforts for the first party, I mean, you have Microsoft and Sony struggling with their first-party offerings to try to get you know, first-party software out reliably. They're relying so much on third-party. But if you get you know, top-of-the-line you know, first-party software in a good cadence within the first year, 18 months or so, to kind of build that momentum, I think that's going to be where third parties are going to take note and say, hey, yeah, maybe we're going to bring games back. We also need games that are worth playing, like right now in March of 2017. Mm-hmm. Like Mass Effect 3, eight months later, oh God, without no, yeah. being able to play the first two games is not going to cut it. Yeah, Watch Dogs, that, that delay at the, the opening of the system, that was terrible. I mean, the to delay Rayman Legends, to have that you know launch on time with the rest, like it needs the exclusive experiences and you know timeliness as well. Yes, and I mean, arguably, it would have been a better system without Watch Dogs at all. But <laughs> Right, right. It's not going to live or die based on what we see next week. But what we see next week is also going to be a very big thing. And then to continue their momentum forward, they have to have a solid system, not a powerful one, one that feels complete. I think it's a very, very good point. Well said. Well spoken. So, Matt, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, that's a good question right now. I'm not. I uh, just graduated college and I just started a, a big boy office job, so haven't had a lot of time to really start stuff up. I have a YouTube channel that um, I hope to use in some capacity someday. It is pretty <laughs> tough when you start with the new channel, but what, what is the name of the channel going to be? Um, it is just the Darker Eye right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what is that? YouTube.com/slash the Darker Eye. Uh, right now, I have a couple of my schoolwork stuff up on it. I have my Film 2 project. I have my final TV production project, which was a 30-minute talk show where that I was the producer and the host. It was all my own design. Mm-hmm. And now and then, I'm like uploading game footage to it uh, because I just got a new graphics card that automatically records stuff. So whenever something crazy happens, I just throw it up there. Is the Dark Ray where people can find you on Twitter? Uh, yes. These may change if I... like convince people to use a different username <laughs> i've been leaning towards uh grimace the menace lately but it's likely that no one's gonna listen to me so <laughs> for the time being then well matt yeah. matt thank you so much for joining really appreciate your perspective and it's great to have you on of course should i should i share a big boss prediction oh by all means share a big boss prediction for this nintendo switch event it's a it's a little cheating because everyone in the world has this predi- prediction but i think that there, there is evidence for it to be kind of legitimate. I think, given some things that data miners have found in the cartridge that uh, suggest a system of higher power, we will see a Nintendo Switch version of Pokemon Sun and Moon featuring a walk cycle uh, animation for Pokemon following you around. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to see it. Big boss prediction. There are, in fact walk cycle animations currently in the game's code for every single Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to see more features, though. I mean, this is the whole Pokemon Stars thing. Uh, you know, the rumors are there, and it would be great to see. You need Pokemon, and the whole thing with Pokemon is that they never brought the full experience to console because, well, we like the portability. We like the, the trading on the go. We like the battling on the go. Like, that goes away with Nintendo Switch, so they got to get it's it. It's also really weird that all the dialogue in the game keeps referencing me and the first Pokemon in my party. Right, right. That's there a, was very that's, clearly a feature that was taken out. That's a good point. Very, very interesting. All right, Matt, we'll take it easy. Have a good one. Thank you for having me. Yep. Zero Ranma from Colorado. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Yo. Hey, how are you feeling this week? I know you were a little under um, the weather last week. 
I'm feeling I'm feeling better. Good, good. You know, cold weather's trying to keep me down, but yeah. What can you do? Oh god, it's it's cold everywhere. I was just in Las Vegas. It was cold there. I mean, granted, it's you know low fifties, but I get back to Michigan, it's single digits Fahrenheit. Yeah, I'm. It's just been snowing these past couple of days. You know how it is. Oh, boy. Well, soon the news of <laughs> Nintendo Switch will soon warm and enrich all of our lives, I'm sure. So what did you want to talk about today? I've been thinking about basically the virtual console and how this is going to impact Switch's launch. Over the past few years, they've been building up this virtual console library. Ever since the Wii, then they transferred the Wii stuff over to the Wii U. Then they've been releasing... You know, Game Boy Advance games, Wii games. Still no GameCube games, but, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that'll change. They've got DS games. The, the big thing is, yeah, they've got to really nail it down with DNA and, you know, have that all transfer over. Yeah. So I'm thinking at launch of the Switch, there probably won't be that many games, like, you know, Switch-only games. But they'll still need something to fill it out fill out their little library so i'm thinking they'll have basically the entire library open up for anyone Mm -hmm. and you know if you have your you know your nintendo id you can play all your old all those games that you've already bought so on and so forth i'm sure gamecube virtual console they might have a couple games for launch i don't know how like a ds virtual console would work for the switch because you know we barely know enough about this thing as it is yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, some emulators are able to, when it's on you know PC and whatnot, can play the two screens side by side. Uh, that would that would make sense. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because you do have the touch screen like that. That can work at least for the touch input. This isn't the Wii U. This is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like when you remove the little you know screen part of the console out. That's going to be the main screen right there. And it's not like you'd be playing like Wii U, how you have like the little screen on the bottom and the screen on the TV at the same time. That's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be the case there. You're right. So I don't know if they're going to have to put a delay on that or if they'll even do that at all. That's a good question. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe they'll finally wise up and bring the DS games over to the 3DS. Yeah, you'd think that'd be a no-brainer, right? <laughs> like, if you have the <laughs> cartridges think- able to play, you know, why not the digital versions? Yeah, and who knows? Maybe eventually we'll get those Game Boy Advance games on there. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe those two. Like, like launch promised. Yeah, and he had With, all the ambassador yeah. ones, and yeah, oh my gosh, games. yeah, I almost forgot about that. Wow, that's a good point. That is, I think the key really is going to be they need to talk about how. Yeah, and we've worked it out with DNA, and all of your past purchases will carry over. Everything is tied to your account. If they want to say, you know, start fresh, but we can look and maybe you get a discount, like, okay, maybe still not totally acceptable, but fine. You know, going forward, I guess it could work, but yeah, because yeah. that's what they did with the Wii to the Wii U, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they really have to get that right, especially when you're talking about virtual console. And there's so much potential, especially now when it's on the go and it's, you know, yeah. a powerful machine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, battery life and all that, that's another story, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about like uh, variety, you know, like what you can play and all that. Yeah. It's not excusable to not be able to play like 
you know, NES games at launch or SNES games or whatever. And, right. You know, these games right. are over 20 or 30 years mm -hmm. old at this point. Yeah. And it's like, do I have to buy Super Metroid for the third time? Like, really? So it shouldn't have to be something well, like, like Nintendo, that. Nintendo, you're taking enough of my money as it is. Yeah. You don't need more. <laughs> very true. Very true. Do I think we'll have everything at launch? Probably not. But, right. you know. Give us some starters or whatnot. Yeah, and then you'll know, go back to weekly rollouts. Like, have something like that work. That that would be yeah, ideal. Because that's what they've been doing with the Wii U. You can do it with the you can do it with the Switch easily. For sure. What kind of price point would you think a possible you know GameCube game would be? Assuming that gets announced. A GameCube game, I'm thinking it would be it would fall under the fifteen to twenty dollar line. Yeah, yeah. I I think fifteen would really work well as far as you know making people happy, but I could easily see them charging twenty. I can easily see twenty because you know people have been clamoring and they know people want it, so they'll charge as much as they want. Especially when you look at you know something like Super Smash Brothers Melee and like how valuable a disc of that game is. Like you know thirty would be yeah, minimum nope. for something like that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, anything you want to leave us with? Do you have like a big boss prediction or something like that? Given the some of the more recent successes of Fire Emblem, I think that as an initial starter for the Switch, or maybe not even the Switch, but just for like a week in general, like the first few weeks, we'll get both the GameCube and the Wii Fire Emblem games. Ooh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn? Yeah, and they'll still be compatible. Will they work out that little weird glitch where if you play on easy difficulty, save don't over well eh, we'll see everything will still be like you know your save is compatible between versions because that was a big deal that'd be really cool path of radiance and radiant dawn compatible with switch and compatible with each other yeah yeah that'd be a that'd be a good big boss prediction well you're on twitter at zero ranma um, yep. that's you know from, from the last episode anything else you want to plug and not really not really <laughs> all right well hope you enjoy the switch conference keep feeling better hope you have a great time thanks yeah you too all right bye take it easy video game guru from illinois welcome to the power switch happy to be here of course yeah welcome what would you like to talk about i would like to talk about how your save will transfer over to the switch so like how the save file you know transfers over from like virtual console games or or something like that yeah yeah, well, so I hope and I think that Virtual Console titles, if you have them saved on your uh, hard drive, uh, external hard drive or uh, flash drive, you could plug that into your Switch and you can automatically play the games without ha having to pay for them. But if you want to take them out, you would you would have to uh, repurchase them. Hmm. I think that'd be a smart way to do that. Uh, certainly, I think SD card would probably be the way to go about that. Uh, seems to be a, a shared media between the Wii U and the Switch. Another possibility yeah. is I think they were starting to look into like the beginning of cloud saves, at least on, you know, not necessarily virtual console, but I think it was more for like the 3DS games itself, or you know, Wii U could do something similar, I'd imagine. It really depends on the infrastructure that DNA, uh, the you know, partner with Nintendo, imagine you know, what they've set up. I could imagine yeah. maybe an, uh, an update is applied possibly retroactively to Wii U for something like that. 
but I would imagine probably the easiest way is to say, okay, well, copy it to an SD card and then go into your computer and copy these save files. And it might be a way that they possibly get it working. But see, with those kind of situations from Nintendo, I'd imagine it'd be fraught with technical issues. I don't know necessarily if you'd be able to say, oh, if you have a save file that automatically, you know, guarantees, you know, to download the game on Switch. I don't think, you know, necessarily they would be able to say save file equals purchase. Uh, they well, m- yeah. well, the thing is, you would have your Nintendo Network ID, so right. whatever is on your Nintendo Network ID would uh, automatically uh, transfer over. That would be how they'd have to rely it for sure. Uh, it wouldn't be dependent on the save file, but that's that's the hope with you. Know, the last couple of years is that you know some of these purchases, whether it's for 3DS games, whether it's Wii U games, or you know the virtual console games, there. You'd hope that once they introduce the Nintendo Network ID, that that would be what carries over uh, beyond. But that's something I think they really have to be very specific, whether it's in the uh, conference itself or if it's with journalists pressing on them. Like that's something we need to hear yeah. for sure. And it's all in DNA's uh, hands because that's where they're working on the uh, connecting to the Network IDs. Absolutely. Like, this is going to be their big test. I mean, we've seen the start of the partnership with the mobile games and, you know, starting to establish the new My Nintendo. You know, you're earning the points, you're getting the discounts, the start of Nintendo Network ID. This is where the big test is, where it hits the ground running, and I think they have to make a big showing. And it's going to be big. I mean, it's taking place in Japan. DNA is a Japanese company. Like, I think that's where they show... Here are the fruits of our partnership, and this is how it can benefit our customers. So, where can people find you on the internet, Video Game Guru 64? Uh, just Video Game Guru 64, probably everywhere, but uh, Facebook. Video Game Guru, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah take care. You too. Down in Florida, we have Max. Welcome to the Power Switch. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Good to hear you. Oh, it's good. You know, I've always wanted to be a guest on one of your podcasts, and I've had you on <laughs> two of mine. That's but now right. The, yeah. the roles have turned around. It's it's good. Yeah, I'm no definitely with with uh, with your shows. I know. Well, the first one. So I guess a little bit of history. The first one was years ago. This is it has to be over a decade. I mean, I, I you were how old for that that first podcast? I had to be thirteen. I, I, 12, yeah, 13. I want to say you were thirteen years old. So. So that was that was a ways back, uh, and and now you have Millennial Gaming Speak, who's your current podcast, which you've had me on as a yeah. guest, and so it's it's good to have you on on this show. And uh, when I'm, we had that, Show Me News was had run its course. So well, yeah, yeah, I'm really I'm really excited. I do I really dig the idea of this of having people call in. It really mixes up the variety of ability to have guests and stuff. I, I it's a pretty darn good idea. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad to hear that. So, what do you have in mind with Nintendo Switch? I wanted to talk about the games, uh, particularly first party, but some second party mm-hmm. that are going to be coming out throughout the first year of the Switch. Because uh, for game consoles, particularly home consoles, that first year of games is a, a particularly large selling point uh, for consumers. And it's a big pushing point just in advertising and sales and stuff. And um, how this could be Nintendo, one of Nintendo's strongest launch years for their consoles yeah it's going to be uh, crucial for sure and you know we talked about it earlier with you know the third parties and to to show the strength of the system and to get the sales hitting the ground running like it's it's going to be so important i kind of wrote out a little list here Mm -hmm. one thing was games we know 
are coming to the Switch. Zelda Breath of the Wild, obviously. Yep. We've got the Mario Switch game that they showed off, and then the Mario Kart 8 and the Splatoon port. Yes. Uh, and there's games like Just Dance and whatnot, but particularly those four were shown in the video, and we know for sure they'll they'll be on the Switch at some mm-hmm. point. I mean, yeah, there's also the talk of, uh, you were saying for first party, but there's yeah, also the Skyrim, if we're talking from the trailer. Yeah. Mm, Skyrim and other sorts of games coming third party. Wasn't there uh, Sonic Mania, I think, was confirmed for yeah, Switch? Yeah, and then uh, I think they, like, they're also talking Sonic 2017, whatever that game ends up mm-hmm. being, yeah. Yeah, and then there's the games we, we know about, you know, leaks or heavy leaning toward things like the Smash Brothers port. Yep. Uh, which will be pretty cool. There's that rumor of the Pokemon game, which we've been we've talked about on the show before. There's a lot of rumors about Beyond Good and Evil 2, yep. and trademarks and the websites, and then that that Rabbids Mario crossover RPG. That's going to be really interesting to see, like what yeah. that looks like, what that is like, what role do the Mario characters play? Because I've been hearing a lot of like, oh, it's you know you pick different Rabbids and they have different weapons, and some weapons have different functionality, like but. But what does Mario have to do with it? Like, what? Where's the where's I have, the play no there? I've, yeah, I've played more Rabbids games than I think I'd care to admit. Oh just man, because I have a friend. Oh man, who's a friend? Uh, he's he's thirteen right now, but he loves the Rabbids games. I think he ha- actually has them all. So well, that makes I sense. Like it I plays to the demographic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting. And then we've got uh, the virtual console, obviously games, but a lot of people are talking about GameCube being on here now, um, with you know Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion. Melee, which is a really big one, and then uh, possibly Paper Mario, and also Mother 3, and then every other game they've ever done, you know, they'll charge us for the fifth or sixth time for some of these games. It's that Nintendo back catalog is completely there, and with the popularity due mostly to limited demand of the NES Mini, it's, I think there's always that desire in consumers for those classic Nintendo games. And I think we could see kind of a renaissance of the virtual console here, with the Switch, with a lot of people hopefully taking notice of it and being able to see they can take, now they can take the Mario games on the go and all that type of stuff. Yeah, I think it has but, a lot of potential, especially if you think, you know, is there going to be any possible, you know, carryover for maybe even mobile games? I know Nintendo wants to develop their own mobile games, but if they keep mm-hmm. thinking with this idea of playing games on the go and, you know, they'll want games to sell switch but just maybe as, as a pipe dream you know whether you have your switch with you or your phone with you if it's something like you know a game boy game or a game boy advance game or even you know the screen length for a ds game or something like that i mean there's even maybe some possibility there i know it's, it's a it's a pipe dream it's not too feasible they want to sell yeah. nintendo switch but but still well and speaking of their their mobile games that come out you know we you just had super mario run and we know that Fire Emblem and an Animal Crossing game are coming to iOS and Android right. some point during the year is what they're supposed to happen. And that kind of brings me to the games we kind of hope for or expect, which particularly I think both an Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem game could feasibly come out this year yep. to tie into that because mm-hmm. Nintendo loves to tie in games together. You know, Hyrule Warriors with... I mean, when you buy the, the 30th anniversary Zelda Amiibo, there's like four Zelda games on the back of the box. Right. You know, they cross-promote everywhere. But we also... Could be Retro's new game. Could be mm, talked about, yeah. shown. Retro's been pretty darn quiet since Tropical Freeze. And um, I personally hope it's Metroid, but we could uh, 
it absolutely could be something new or another Donkey Kong game. They've made some of the best Donkey Kong games out there. For so. sure, for sure. I'd like to see what they do with the new IP, for sure. Um, I mm-hmm. think, yeah, Animal Crossing, like, it, it has to happen in the early time frame Animal of the Switch. Crossing, like, it's, it's, like gotta... the, it's the dream. It's the home console experience that we almost liked with City Folk and definitely enjoyed on the GameCube. But then it's that portability factor of New Leaf and Wired World that is just part of that addictive formula absolutely and they've animal mentioned crossing that the over. the mobile version of animal crossing is going to have you know the compatibility with a console version so that mm. that totally makes sense fire emblem i don't know how quickly they can turn around a new game especially after fates you know yeah. just being in february 2016 for north america but i'd like to see it I, I really would i would love i would love a good old fire emblem game my friend's dad actually really the one i was talking about plays all the rabbits games his father actually really enjoys Fire Emblem, but he doesn't like playing on tiny screens. Mm. So I, I hope for him that there is a, you know, a Fire Emblem on Switch so he can play it on the TV and his son can play it on the go. That'd be great. It's, it's been quite a while since you know, Radiant Dawn for a console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of his favorite games. But uh, those were kind of just some of the games I've been thinking about. And just when you look at that list, even with the ports like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, these are super strong Nintendo games to have in that first year when you when you look at the casual consumer and you you say we got a Mario Kart game and we have a Smash Brothers game and you know there's Pokemon here too i just think those kind of titles really draw in people and it's a really strong catalog to have up front even if We've got ports or older games from the virtual console. Absolutely. They have to be very smart how they spread it out this year. They can't have everything bottlenecked. So I'm a little hesitant when they say, you know, Zelda targeting, you know, March 2017 launch window for North America. Like you have Mario as well. Like, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. want to necessarily, you know, just bottleneck everything in, you know, the first month or so. Uh, but they have to be very well, I'm smart. Hoping, I'm they hoping they sprinkle it out throughout the year. But I do think overall this whole year is going to be pretty darn packed for them. Yeah, yeah. it's It's got to be. I mean, they have all... To show how few Wii U games came out, they've got to have all game teams under their wing and under their umbrella mm-hmm. just kind of firing on all cylinders. They've got to have a huge, huge glut of games, really. Hopefully the shift of their their development switching from two separate systems to one it should help streamline that process a little bit. Definitely. Well, Max, thank you for calling in. Any predictions? I uh, I did have one. All right. I wrote, I wrote it down. I had a big boss prediction with a Kiefer twist at the Ooh, end there. Um, okay. I think Retro's game will be shown, and I think it is Metroid, uh, but it's not Prime. It's not Metroid Prime 4 like a lot of people want. I think it's actually a 2D Metroid game. Uh, and if we want to put the big boss twist on it, I think they do a something similar to a Fallout 4, and uh, release it this year in the fall. Wow, that would be a good big boss and a nice Kiefer. Very good. They're going to call back! I, I really want a Metroid game, and they just seem to forget that Samus exists, so... I think it's Maybe happening. It's, I think Metroid's... Big, big dream. Yeah, I think Metroid's happening somewhere. I'm just not too sure it'd be retro. But yeah, they've, they've got to have... It, it's going to be so exciting. I can't wait for the games. And to have that live stream to you know, go further into the games, that'll be, that'll be great. Oh, yeah. Be- I can't wait for it. I think, I think Retro can take what they've learned from Donkey Kong as far as 2D game design and visuals and graphics and all that stuff and take what they know about Metroid so well and put the two together and make a really fantastic 2D Metroid game. Excellent. Well, Max, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at MaxTheWhite. And you can find my podcast, Millennial Gaming Speak. I do it every week with my good friend, Logan. Uh, We just talk about video games in the news. 
uh, every week. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's great to have you on. And uh, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to speaking with you again. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Take care. All right. When we come back, my top five games of 2016. We'll wrap up this episode and get hyped for Nintendo Switch when we come back. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Before I wrap things up, I wanted to give a shout out to Alex O'Neill. He hosts the Irrational Passions podcast. And Alex was kind enough to ask me on as a guest on one of his Game of the Year 2016 episodes. He asked a whole bunch of different people, come on, talk with him for an hour about their top 10 favorite games of the year. Now, Alex and I had an interesting way of meeting. I mean, Alex has been a fan of Show Me Your News, my previous podcast, since the very early days of the show. Even when we had a cafe press store, he bought a, a white hoodie with Yoko and the Samurai Panda on, and he even wore it during the, the podcast that we, we just had when he, he had me on. And it was like a video call, and it was, it was just so weird to see, like, oh, that's me. I'm on that shirt. That's it was, it was really cool. But I, I came across Alex and recognized his old handle from the Super Smash Brothers Brawl days, but I came across him through the Kind of Funny community. And it was just a weird sequence of events for us to meet and you know to be able to podcast with each other. That's great because he's been doing Irrational Passions for like six years. So I mean, totally can relate with that. So I wanted to give him a shout out. And so as I mentioned, I talked about my top 10 favorite games of 2016 on his show. So for this show, I'll talk about my top five games, just cover them really quickly, and to kind of go more in-depth and also cover, you know, six through ten and honorable mentions and the like, when he publishes that, I'll make sure to share that on our social media. You'll want to check that out. It was a, it was a fun list and a good time. So my five favorite games of 2016. Uh, at number five, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice. Uh, I think that was a really great conclusion to the second trilogy of main series games. Kind of give Apollo Justice a, a good, you know, conclusion to his his story arc, and that was that was a really really good game. Some great moments in that one. Number four, Inside, uh, the indie darling of the year for sure. A great example of a concise experience and just so meticulously planned. And that ending is just uh, just astounding. Really, it was one of the more interesting things I played this year for sure. Number three, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the Pokemon series. I mean, all the way since Red and Blue, you know, 1998, I was 10 years old, and Ash Ketchum was 10 years old, and so that's always stuck with me. Generation 7, it made some, made some bold choices for this one, for sure. Had a couple strange flaws to it. I mean, the online architecture and online play, I mean, they had it so right in Generation 6, so to kind of screw that up was a little weird. And the summoning for help for Pokemon, I mean... I get why they did it, but it could have been implemented a lot better. Maybe as a choice or just leave it in the end game, something like that. Uh, but overall, it was a great game. I mean, uh, really unusual to kind of mix up the whole gym leader sort of uh, you know experience of the story and kind of change it to something new. It was a really refreshing take. Maybe relied a little bit more than I would have liked on Generation 1 with the Alola forms, but it was a, a nice change of pace. Number two, Final Fantasy XV. Uh, I spent the most time with this game this year. 
Uh, that was really interesting. Very similar in a lot of ways to Metal Gear Solid Five, oddly enough, and in a way where open world kind of changes the dynamic, but the gameplay is so fun. Story, not as consequential, but you can make the case that those two games are pretty similar in a lot of ways. I had lots of fun with Final Fantasy XV. Uh, great open world to explore. So many side quests. You kind of binge on the side quests, and it feels like a really dense game early, and then the last third kind of breezes by, and it's a little underwhelming, but some great characters, awesome music, and some pretty great boss battle moments, I think. And number one for me, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. I mean, it's, it's the culmination of one of my favorite series in gaming. Um, just so many great payoff moments, and it was it was really worth it to play that game. Naughty Dog is at the top of their craft as far as narrative storytelling and using the video game medium to do so. And I really, really had a, a deep connection with that game. Awesome moments in that game. Uh, that's my favorite game of the year, and that'd be you know my top pick. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com, and we are on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting bit.ly slash thepowerswitch. That's with TPS in upper caps. It's a small but growing community. And in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. So we have HDQ27 starting this week, and that's really cool. Definitely check that out. Give to charity. But if big news doesn't happen during the week, prompting us to record, then the next show will be Friday, January 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, where we'll have lots to discuss about Nintendo Switch. Regardless, whether it's live or on your time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spacia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.